So I was standing behind the line in a spot that however many years ago, Anna Thomas got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was sharing that with my coworker. And I literally like teared up and got goosebumps that in that spot is where I work every day is the spot that her life changed. This is Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church in Franklin, Indiana, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. Current Church meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear in Franklin and exists to encounter God, equip the church, and engage the world. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. Find out more at currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Now here's your host, Jeremy. Greetings and salutations. As always with a multi-parter, please, if you want, listen to parts one and two first. This is PD part three. We'll close the book for now and including some breaking news a little bit later in the episode, we will unveil, she will unveil the name of her new business. That and much, much more. Paula Fiesel part three. Thanks for listening. hair for 32 years like what else am I who am I away from that there's a lot of other things that I do and that I enjoy but they've all been hobbies they've not really even made me any money a little bit here and there but not they're not things that I've like pursued as income sources hair has been that and it has saved us through a lot of things uh you know the last the for, last two years of his gene schooling um I did hair and he went to school. Mm-hmm. And when Tabor was born, you know, my parents helped me put a little shop in our little house in Speedway so I could make a little money while, you know, staying home with the kid. So it has al- allowed me to stay home with Tabor all through, you know, his, his whole life, essentially. So I, you know, it meant a lot to our family. So I don't even know, like, who I am, what I'm going to do with myself. So Jean's like, don't do anything, you know, do whatever you want. And I'm like, okay, I will. So I did some traveling. I went to my mom and dad's. I went to my sister's. My sister owns a candy store that does baked goods and stuff. So I went and fiddled around in her, you know, her kitchen and Uh baked a bunch of stuff. I went to San Diego by myself, went to the beach. It was ugly here. It was beautiful there. I just did a lot of fun things. Um, My friend Tiffany is a choir director at Indian Creek High School. I made some costumes for some of her choir members. Oh, geez, I don't know what all I did. And all of that, I have loved to bake my whole life. I used to go across the street to my grandma's and bake with her. And so I was thinking, and I've made birthday cakes and stuff for friends, and I've never gotten paid for it, never wanted to as a hobby. But I love it so much. And so I was like, should I do this? I don't know. 
So November rolls around, and my girl, Jonalyn's oldest, has a birthday. And I'm not about buying Little's toys. I like to do something <laughs> different and fun, and toys are boring. Fun for a minute, they break, they whatever, they're bored with them. Let's do something they remember. Yeah. So experiential things. So I threw it out there to her. I was like, so she it was just non-milestone year. She was turning eight. She's having friends over. She's like, yeah, she's having two friends and then her sister. So it'll be the four girls. I said, how about this? Can I bake some sugar cookies and do these little sugar cookie kits for the girls to do at this party? She's like, they would love that. So I put together these cute little kits and these little pop-up lunch boxy deals. Fun-shaped sugar cookies, like, you know, girly colors, buttercream, some sprinkles. Personalized them with their names took them over the girls loved it of course then they got to eat their cookies too so if you know jonalyn you know she there's a picture oh sure in anything and it's a perfect picture so she takes a perfect picture (laughs) posts it on social media and don't you know she's my marketing director now oh of course because i have gotten like a million orders from her the one post on social media of these sugar cookie kits. I spent the whole month of December building sugar cookie kits for people. I think I sold 50 dozen sugar cookies to people. And in that, I just like found this love and joy of it. So I'd mentioned my sister. So the week before Christmas, I went to Ohio and worked in her shop. And she is... she lives in a small town in Ohio called Fremont's, much like Franklin, same vibe, a little mm-hmm. smaller, kind of same vibe, Main Street revitalization. Her shop is a storefront on this. It's called Front Street because it's a river town. So she's right there in the thick of it. And she's been there for like 15 years. And she's started out with just chocolate and candy and then went to ice cream. And now she does cookies and cupcakes and cheesecake and coffee. And so if you like have a craving for something sweet, you can go and find anything you want there. So I said, so could I come and just pick your brain about this business? Cause she's been doing it for a while. And she's like, yeah, she's like, you know, come just hang out at the shop and I'll put your work or something. I'm like, yes, please do. So I stayed for a week. Well, initially I was supposed to stay for four days and then we just made sugar cookies like sugar cookies and sugar cookies. In a day and a half, I made 31 dozen sugar cookies from scratch, like batter, rolled out, pressed out with the cutters, baked, decorated, packaged and out the door in a day and a half. But the total for the week was something like 71 dozen cookies from Monday to Friday. And she has like the corner on this market. So I was in heaven. I sat on a stool and decorated cookies and rolled out cookies and packaged cookies and made buttercream. And I literally like I was supposed to leave Friday morning at like nine o'clock. I couldn't make myself leave. Mm -hmm. So I sat on the stool for like five hours and she's like, go home. I'm like, I can't. I can't make myself go home. And at that point, I knew that it was something that I love, and I found I had a talent for it. So I was like, maybe I could do something with it in Indianapolis or Franklin area. And so came home, and people started like asking me to do things. Um, John Allen's youngest child's birthday is the end of January. She wanted a Mario Kart party. I don't know anything about the names. 
birthday party and she turned five so it was you know they allowed for a big birthday party and Jonalyn told me I could do whatever I wanted and I was like so I can just create whatever and she's like sure Craig told me to make a sheet cake and I'm like no you don't get a voice (laughs) be quiet I do whatever I want and he just rolled his eyes and let me do what I wanted so I just went to town and made this crazy Mario Kart themed thing I just couldn't stop with it and Jean was like a little frustrated because the kitchen and dining room was like covered with Mario and cake and buttercream. And but then he was like, "This is exactly where you should be yeah. because I haven't seen you this happy in a couple years." And so the creativity comes out in that, you know. And so it's you know instead of hair, it's buttercream and you know still working with your hands. Still, still yeah. Artistic. Still, I'm painting with food coloring yeah. instead of hair color now at this yeah. point. So it just went crazy, and I did a lot of stuff, and then COVID happened, and then it just shut down. And then I was feeling like I probably need to get a job. I probably need to do something because I had kind of just been sitting around the house feeling sorry for myself. Like Jean's gone, Tabor's gone, you know. What am I doing with myself? Where am I going? I just turned 50 last fall. I was kind of feeling this weird midlife thing. So a friend of mine that used to be a client for like, 11 years she was a client she got a job at a place called coffee house five in greenwood and she told me a little bit about their mission but for the most part i just thought it was a coffee shop that was owned by a couple believers and so gene and i were going somewhere and i popped on facebook he was driving and she had posted that coffee house five was hiring for their franklin location which i knew they were opening in franklin but it was like this long drawn out thing mm-hmm. like a year i'm like well that's never happening so right. meh, you know and i instantly had that weird feeling like i had had years and years ago this yeah. like physical emotional spiritual like just fill out that application which i haven't done in years and um I haven't had an interview in years. I haven't had a boss in years, you know? And um, I was like, okay. So it was an online deal. It was easy peasy. I just typed in my information. And like a day later, Michelle Peters, who Brian and Michelle Peters own Coffee House Five, and she reached out to me, I think it was an email, and set up an interview. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what's happening? So I met her down at the location here in Franklin, which just so happens to be the building where the Gear 1.0, where we started Current Church, like officially. You've been in that building before. Been in that building before, been there, done that. So I was, you know, okay. So I go and sit across the table from them. They just, I mean, it was like the most laid back, chill interview ever, you know, like she didn't bat an eye at my tattoos or anything. Cause you know, I didn't have tattoos the last time I had a boss, you know? And so, or out in the open anyway. And so, you know, is that a thing? It's not a thing. She didn't care. She's like, I just hired a girl with orange hair and another girl with multicolored hair. The tattoos don't mean anything to me. I'm like, good. So... She calls like two days later and offers me the job. They don't pay the greatest, but honestly, it wasn't about what she told me straight up. She goes, we pay crappy, actually, is how she said it. And I'm like, I kind of like her. But um, (laughs) so it turns out I'm reading about Coffee House 5. It is actually Coffee House 5 Church. They're a 5013C. They're an actual incorporated as a church, a nonprofit. So what they do, their mission is a story of their own, but they 
struggled in their marriage and they also struggled with um, addiction. Hmm. And so it ate them up and just about was the end of them. And so God delivered them. He restored their marriage and delivered the addictions. And so they have a heart and a passion for people that, for marriages and for people that struggle with addictions. So what Coffee House 5 does is all the proceeds from the coffee shop go to the counseling center to afford free premarital, marital, and addiction recovery counseling. Free. And so all the client needs to do is just fill out a form online. They reach out to you. You set up things. It's free, Christian-based, like professional counseling, which I think is fantastic. So the mission of that is like, you know, how how can I say that what they pay me an hour is not good enough? So it's not about the money. If it was about the money, I would have stayed doing hair because... It was way more money. And that was part of it for the two years why I didn't step away from doing hair because where can I go and make this amount of money? But when God finally just said, close this door Mm. and I'll do something better for you. So I started working in February. They have a location in Old Town Greenwood. It's been there for, I don't know, six or seven years. And so I did my training up there and we were supposed to open two weeks in Greenwood. We're supposed to open in Franklin the next week. So I was scheduled down here in Franklin because I want to be at this location. And we had problems with the permits and fire marshal somebody or other because the health, I don't know who it was. Mm -hmm. They were all in there and it was always just, you know, stressful. And I was off for a week essentially until Franklin could open. We opened on a Wednesday. So I've never worked in a coffee shop. The espresso machine still scares the life out of me. So we have, you know, we sell sandwiches and things and pastries, which are all made there in house and um, from scratch. And so I'm good with people. I'm the POS system, no big deal. I'm there. I'm fine in the kitchen because I worked for Piper's for six years, you know. And so I'm like, but please don't put me on the espresso machine because it's intimidating. (laughs) I don't want to do that. And so my boss, Brian, is like, well, you're going to have to learn it. We cross-train everybody, but we'll let you just, like, chill for a minute. So we open on a Wednesday morning, and there were two cashiers, three baristas, and somebody in the kitchen, and then Brian and Michelle were there. It was the absolute most bonkers day I've ever encountered in my life, up um. until today, actually. <laughs> and um, it's another story, but it was crazy the amount of, like, community support that people were seeing that, you know, Coffee House 5 was supposed to open, supposed to open, supposed to open. They had their sign up on the building for months and months and months. So it was crazy. It was crazy for about a week and a half. And then the world shut down. Yeah. And then I didn't have a job. I mean, I still had a job. I just didn't have any hours, you know. So for five, I think five weeks, I didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. And I needed to find something to do because I'm not going back. It's the middle of the winter. I'm not going to sit on the couch and lose my mind, you know. So Tabor gets this job at this HVAC. They make filters for your furnace. And so they make HEPA filters and stuff. So they're deemed essential so they can stay open. But he has to have a mask to go to work. And the one they supplied was really tearing up his ears, which, you know, lots of people have heard that story because, you know, the elastic is not very friendly. So I'm like, okay, I'll get my sewing machine out and mm-hmm. dig out some fabric. And I made a mask. And he's like, oh, it's okay, but it's kind of bulky. Can you make something that's a little more? So back to the drawing board, come up with this pattern and put this whole thing together. And he's like, that's pretty good. And I'm like, you know, I probably could make some of these. I know people that are in the medical 
you know, field that aren't really able to take masks from work, mm-hmm. you know, so friends and family that want them. My sister, small business owner, you know, in a different state, they had a little bit different yeah. guidelines on that. So to be open, they had to wear masks. And then they went to curbside and all that stuff too. But so I think the first hundred masks I made were just donated. First hundred. The first hundred. <laughs> and so for saying this, I'm a fabric hoarder. There, okay. I've come out with it. Okay. So just projects. It feels good, doesn't it? It does. Projects over the years where you have leftovers or, you know, he's, Gene's always saying, throw that away. What do you need that for? I'm like, you just never know. And here I was prepared. So I made the first 500 masks without buying fabric. <laughs> My bins are empty, though. It's been, it's interesting. I've been able to purge a lot of that. And so the only thing I bought was like the filter material, but mm-hmm. it's really inexpensive. So two friends of mine don- donated funds for me to buy supplies because they're not crafty. So up until the first 500, I had no money in the game at all, just time. But I was loving it. It was great. So I think about, I'd made, well, I made the first 100, and then I made like 25, and I posted a picture on Facebook that said I'd made some at like 7 o'clock at night. By the next morning when I got up, which was like, 12-ish hours later, like overnight even, I'd had orders for 105. And I was like, well, (laughs) this might be something. And so people were like, but you, you know, Gene, friends, you know, relatives, they were all saying, but you need to charge something for them because your time is worth something. I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm doing this for, you know. So I gave away a lot of them. But then I did start charging a little bit Mm -hmm. for them, $3. And, um... So then when I went to buying fabric, which I have bought some, then I started charging $5 because I had cost in it at that point. And that's cheaper than the going rate even still. So it just went crazy. And friends of friends and friends of friends. I mean, every day, Facebook Messenger, I would have like 10 people that I didn't even know that wanted to order. I mean, it was bonkers. I made some for the coffee shop, even though I wasn't working. They still had like a skeleton staff because we were doing um, curbside at both locations. So I took like maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12 to the coffee shop. And so consequently, Coffee House 5 is right next door to 10 Pin, the little bowling place. So he reached out to me to get some for his staff. I mean, I've supplied them for Indian Creek High School for the secretary's um, secretary's families. It's people we used to go to church with, childhood friends from like my elementary school days. Saw, you know, of course on Facebook you can find anybody right, and right. reconnect with them from your childhood. So they see the post and they start ordering. I mean, it just I quit counting about 100 masks ago at 750. Oh my are you so, having to mail the majority of them? I am mailing a lot and then doing a porch pickup for a lot. Okay. Um, some people I'm taking, too, if it's convenient for me to drop off. Um, my coffee shop coworkers have ordered some for their personal use, for their sisters, for their brothers, for their parents. It's been crazy. Like, I just made 25 this afternoon. I worked until noon. I got home about 12.15, made about 25 masks, and here we are today. But I'm fascinated by the last... Two years of your story. I mean, yeah. by all of it. But, right. It's a little uh, all over the place. I, well, but <laughs> I, see, I see a lot of uh, culture and leadership lessons. Big, big words in leadership culture right now are pivot and adapt and, yeah. and all these. And I see you, even before these, these unprecedented times, <laughs> pivoting, using 
different forms of what you what your comfort zone was. Yeah. Pivoting it to something else, and yeah. now and then the cookie situation maybe temporarily goes away, but it's back with a vengeance. It, well, okay, right. so I so I was going to ask you if I'm calling you today, am I ordering masks or am I ordering cookies? Do whatever you want. Okay, so if I had to guess, and we'll wrap this up here. Um, if I had to get my sister does custom cookies. Kind right, of I've seen too. some pictures. Yeah, yeah. she does yeah. a different kind of genre than me. She's okay. like the royal icing that dries hard. I'm the buttercream okay. that stays soft. So you guys aren't in competition. We are not the she same. Could probably swap stories. True. But my guess is that you have the tendency to maybe not know for sure what you should charge people, especially people you know. That is 100% She true. struggles with that, and there's no way. Yes. I undervalue. In fact, she has uh, a realtor friend of, of ours who has now started, he's kind of a north side highbrow realtor, mm-hmm. um, he has now started ordering custom cookies of their house, so she doesn't have a cutter for that. Oh, like she seriously. has to go she online, find the house, makes it up, and makes yeah, and then you know, welcome Matt Key. Their See, name. That's, that's that's. But I would do the same thing. I could tell her that's a high dollar value, right? But yeah. I wouldn't do it either. She's not charging him enough, no. and she has to go meet him. She he doesn't even come pick him up, so I'm always in her ear about that. So yeah. uh, if I that's a hundred percent me. Yeah, part of it is that I know money makes this world go round, and you got to have it to do the things. But money is not important to me. It is not. You know, like having my bills paid and, you know, yeah. a roof over my head and food in the pantry, whatever. That is important because that cares for my family and I do care about that. I don't care about things. I'm not a materialistic person. And I literally just don't care about money. Hmm. I don't want more of it. I don't need more of it. It's nice when you have it, but I don't long for it. And so to me, it's not undervaluing me. It's just undervaluing the power that money has over people. And so when I hear people say, you should charge more, you (laughs) undervalue what you do. I'm like, that may be the case, but that's not the important part of me. The important part, maybe that to me is just like the artistic. Mm -hmm. I got to put it out there. And if it makes people happy when I put it out there, great. Right. But the money, it's not why I do what I do. You know, it's really not. And, you know, some people think that I'm not truthful when I say that, but I really am. It's money is, is down the list of why I do the things that I do. You know, like whoever needs a cake, no one needs cake or cookies in their life. No one needs it. (laughs) It's not essential. It's, it's not essential. You're right. (laughs) It is a want and it makes your celebration you know you don't have a birthday party without a birthday cake you just don't do that or a dessert of some sort mm-hmm. a sweet because that's just how you celebrate you know something fun sweet and pretty to look at so if i can add that to someone's celebration and it be tasty and look pretty great go ahead i'll offer it to you and probably at a discounted price probably most likely so for those listening if somebody <laughs> wants to make a custom order what would be the best way to go about that um well all the usuals you yeah. know facebook messenger you know instagram that sort of thing do you like to be given a lot of direction and details or do you like to say this is the theme and, and just run with it um, so far, I, it doesn't matter to me, mm-hmm. but so far, most people that I've kind of contracted with has said, here's a general theme, do whatever you want. Yeah. And those are the people I like, because then I don't have the pressure of, here's a picture, I want it exactly like the picture. And maybe I can do it, but maybe I can't. And then I, that's too much pressure for me. I like the do whatever you want thing. So 
So I'm fascinated by you must have gained some self-confidence over this process as well. Knowing that, that you can add value in different ways than, than the one you knew how or, or one of the ones you knew That's primarily. True. And do you allow yourself to dream of a day where you're you're only doing cookies or customized desserts? Yes. Or, okay. Yes. I mean that like you know when I interviewed for the job with Coffeehouse Five that I was straightforward and honest mm-hmm. and I told her like I feel like I'm in a place even though I'm pivoting yeah. to this new whoever I am that I can say these are my terms and I'm comfortable staying within my terms and that's not something I've done because I'm a people pleaser like I would try to like. You know, oh, this this works better for them than it does for me, but I'm still going to do it. So I just said, like, look, this is this is what I'm doing. And I even though I'm a baker and they bake in house, we're not in any direct competition because they do pastries like coffee shop type pastries. They don't do any special occasion things like I I would do. But I was like, you know, most of my orders are on Saturdays, Um, weddings, baby showers, things like that. Birthday parties happen on Saturdays. So Friday's my prep day. Saturday is my finish touch and delivery day. Okay. So those are off the table because the coffee shops open Monday through Saturday. And I was like, you know, and it's, that's just a non-starter. So if that doesn't work for you, then, you know, it was really nice to meet you. They were super cool with that. And to the point now that I've been working there for a while and getting to know them, Michelle's like, you know, we have a commercial kitchen. Come here. Wow. Work here. Really? Yeah. So... One of my coworkers is getting married in the fall. They don't like cake. Um, she was looking for someone to make pies for their reception. Michelle put her in contact with me and said, oh, make them here at the coffee shop. It's a commercial kitchen. It's, you know, the Board of Health certified, you know, come and do what you do here. Yeah. I mean, so just the fact that they are respecting what I do and supporting what I do and even perpetuating, you know, last night I met a lady. She's a realtor in her real life and a baker on the side. Um, she bakes these lovely cinnamony things called bread with a twist. And she has a huge following because she sells at the Franklin Farmer's Market. Okay. So she came into the coffee shop last night and baked 10 dozen of these bread with a twist things put on social media that they were there. We sold out. We opened at seven thirty. We sold out by nine forty one. We were done 10 dozen. So I got to meet her last night. We talked. She's like, I have people. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, what does this mean? You know? So it's just about networking and supporting each other. She's a baker. I'm a baker. We do different things. Yeah. Let's support each other, yeah. you know? That's and, great. um, so just this whole like shift of, I don't, who am I? Am I a baker? Am I a barista? I don't know. Although I'm not, I'm not friends with that machine yet. Okay. Although this morning I opened this morning with this crazy bread with a twist thing. Yeah. We were bonkers today, like no standing still. Michelle and Brian Peters, the owners, so three of us there this morning. They have more confidence in me than I have mm-hmm. in me. So they kind of dumped me in the deep end on the machine. I'm great at the register, great in the kitchen. I can drink prep with the best of them. I just don't want to do the machine. <laughs> and they made me do the machine. And they tell me I do good at the machine. Oh, but, do they? Okay. So, yeah, they, they tell me that I'm better at it than I think I am. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that. So but I did the machine all, all shift. So 
Long day, huh? It, it was the longest four and a half hours of my life. You're just, you know, running up and down the line. You're typing in this. And then on top of it, you have all the COVID. Like, you can only be open if you do these things. Yeah, sure. And that means every 30 minutes, you have to spray everything down with sanitizer. Yeah. The, the front door, uh, all the chairs, the tables, you have to clean the bathrooms. And then in between every customer, you have to sanitize the counter and the, the POS because it's a touchscreen, you know. And then don't take cash. If you take cash, you have to put a glove on. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I had a thousand rubber gloves on my hands today. And, you know, it was a bizarre day. I came home and took a nap because I was so stressed. Good day to come and do two hours worth of podcasting. I get to sit. Uh, um, Does it feel like the same room, the same building when you're there? Certain aspects of it. Like the other day I was talking to a coworker and the bonus of working for coffee house five church is because a lot of our employees are believers mm-hmm. as well. And not that it matters because I just talked to him about Jesus because that's the most important thing in my life. So I'm going to talk to anybody about Jesus. So I was standing behind the line, the barista line in a spot that however many years ago, Anna Thomas got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was sharing that with my coworker. And I literally like teared up and got goosebumps that in that spot is where I work every day is the spot that her life changed. You know, she like gained this power, like Holy Spirit, you you can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit. It's not for that life. It's for this life. Mm. You know, it's for the power in this life. And, um, so being there sometimes, and you see little remnants, like today I was, we have to go back and like spray sanitizer on the door handles of the bathrooms, and I'm spraying sanitizer and wiping stuff down, and I look on the wall, and there's like, it's been painted, but underneath you can see where there was a line of a taped off design okay. that we did oh, really? on that wall when we lived there as current church. Yeah, yeah. And so you just see these little remnants yeah. of things that we did when we we lived there. But the building is so different aesthetically. But I don't know if it's sentimentality or if it's just that the Holy Spirit still resides there. Because they they have church on Sunday mornings. Before COVID, it was at Greenwood. Mm-hmm. They have a little conference room. It's not huge there. So that's all moving to Franklin. Same stage that we built that we worshiped on as current church. Same stage. So I feel like, well, Holy Spirit resides in us. So there's so many believers that that work there that I feel like the Holy Spirit is there For when sure. we are open. But man, you just think how many times that we met. Like God is everywhere all the time in Gene knows I have this gripe with some of the songs that say, you know, about Jesus walking into the room. Like, no, (laughs) theologically, that's not correct because Jesus is everywhere all the time. So he can't walk into a new room. He already is in the room. What song could you possibly be talking Mm, about? I don't know. Okay. So our awareness (laughs) of Jesus in the room is what comes into the room. So that's good. Jesus is everywhere. He's already, his Holy Spirit is in that building, but our awareness of him being there. So I see things and, you know, like I was sanitizing the front door today and I think, how many times did I walk into this front door expecting God to do something, mm-hmm. you know, coming in, not necessarily feeling it, mm-hmm. you know, sure. tired on a Sunday evening, yeah. but God met us there and did something anyway, right. you know? So th- that the fact that I'm back there so many times a week, it just feels like home to me, you know? How many people 
So can you at least still cut my hair? A lot. <laughs> I know I would have been one of those guys. I'm, like, hey, I'm Paula, special. Yeah, hey, Paula, I know you can't do his and his and hers, but you, yeah. don't, you don't mind if you... A lot. I mean, crying, begging yeah. people. Like, people that I see randomly around town. Going back to it yet? Right, right. <laughs> I got lots of people reached out to me during the uh, COVID nonsense. Yeah, oh, sure. How about a COVID haircut? Exactly. How about no? <laughs> it's in your house. You know, nobody will know. And I'm like, all the more reason that I don't want your germs in my house. So, anyway. Have you thought of a name for your uh, cookie business? Yes. Are you ready to announce that? I am. Oh. Donalyn, Miss Perfect, is she's got business cards. Just waiting for her to get back from vacation oh. to come out. Jean kind of came up with the name for me. So, a play on my childhood nickname. Mm-hmm. It will be called Petey Sweet Bake Shop. So. I like it. It's got a ring to it. It does. That's cool. Well, breaking news. Kind of sweet-ish, you know? Yeah. I don't want to call it something like, you know, the garbage truck or something. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to buy that? So let's let's have a sweet name (laughs) instead. So. Paula Fiesel on the Big C, Little C podcast. Um, maybe our timing was good because I've wanted to bring you in before, but you have a lot of like, I was really... Bo- I was boring before. Well, th- not that, but you have so much relevant stuff right now. Um, I think people need to hear your message. Maybe even me. For those of you who uh, missed episode one, go back and listen to that. We talk about more like current ministry and stuff, but I'll wrap it up with this question. Church life is hard. And, and we, Sometimes. And the smaller you are, the more you feel it. And, mm-hmm. and we're feeling some of that here in 2020. Gene <clears throat> yeah. um, told me um, in the annual Coffee with the Frontman episode that no matter how much you're told not to internalize things, and when people leave, you feel it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you do too. Sure. So as we wrap up, a message to current people or people who care about current people. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is your message to us? What do you want us to know about yourself, about G- what you see in Gene, about what you wish current people knew about Jean and mm-hmm. maybe just share your heart a little bit along those lines in closing. I think Jean's kind of an open book. Most people know. The, I probably think the thing that people don't know the most about him is that because he doesn't let it show much that he takes things to heart mm-hmm. and personally. So it's been a struggle for him to like, you know, God is in control of who is here and who is not here, right. who has stayed and who has left. And, um, you know, we all feel that when when any sort of relationship resolves, good, bad, and different, they move away, there's a messy breakup, when anything like that, it leaves a mark on you, you know, and you always think, we as humans think, did I do something wrong? And so we as a couple, you know, him pastoring the church, me supporting him pastoring the church, I am not the pastor of the church. FYI. Not saying that every couple, man, woman, don't pastor together. I'm not saying that at okay. all. I am not. The pastor of current church. Okay. Gene is the pastor. I'm called to be his support and be his helper in anything. So I'm not just clarity on that. <laughs> that I'm not saying that if you as a pastor's wife say that we pastor. Right, right. If that's your calling, then you say that. Okay. This is my calling. I'm saying this. So we feel that, though, you know, and we think, did we do something wrong? Did we say something? Did we, you know, not do enough? Did we do too much? Did we not raise them up properly, you know? And um, I think the answer is no, that free will is everywhere and in everything. And so, you know, over the years... We've had people come and keep people go. Hard things happen. You know, we grew really fast 
and you know we've declined as well the demographic of the church has changed multiple times and so in that regard i think I mean, everyone wants to think they're special or unique or whatever, but I think Current is unique in that regard because when we first started, we didn't have the demographic that we felt like God was calling us to do this current thing with. Because, you know, our vision, which the district of the AG in Indiana sent us to church planners boot camp, we were already doing church, you know, and they're like, well, let's send you to boot camp and learn how to do church, plan a church. I'm like... Okay. So we went to this deal and we sat with like, you know, I don't know, 30 other couples that are contemplating planting Mm -hmm. a church. And it was just the most bizarre thing because we were already doing all this stuff. And they're talking about our launch date and our programs. And I'm like, yeah, that ain't us. But the one thing that I took away from that was they had us do this exercise. And it was some big piece of white paper and that you laid on the floor and one of you laid down and the other one traced you and then you like prayed about specific things it's been a long time ago so like the details are fuzzy but you prayed about specific points and then you wrote something on this like traced man <laughs> and uh but it was all to come together to like you know like those personality tests mm-hmm. where you answer these questions and then the sum of all your answers makes you this kind of personality it was kind of like that and um they'd ask you this question you write this stuff down and then when you looked at your person it was basically a picture of the person that you want to like minister to mm. your demographic of your church okay. and our demographic was seeing kids you know band kids that were in bands kids that were that would uh, in the music scene, uh, black t-shirts, emo hair, stretched ears, tattoos, that sort of stuff. That was who we felt like God was calling us to, based on all the years that Jean traveled with the band. And these kids would come to their shows, and they were loving Jesus, but they didn't fit in the traditional type church. Sunday morning with the bright lights, and you know they'd come in in their black skinny jeans and their band shirt and their, you know their emo hair with the bangs across their face and the whole Justin Bieber swoop thing. <laughs> <laughs> and tattoos and stretched ears and get and felt like they got judged whether they did or not it was still a feeling sure. it was legitimate you yeah. know and so these kids had no like body to like bring themselves together with you know so they were just floundering some of them ended up falling away from the lord because of that so we felt like that was who that the demographic that we should be you know reaching out to and so when we started current this organic thing happening nobody was like that just him and i you know and um so we had a whole demographic shift when we started down on 41 west monroe you know and they started the gear the the music venue and it was all these like scene kids and then they started like coming to church on sundays and so we had you know a couple hundred of them in and out the doors Mm -hmm. and it seemed like it was just a body of a few like Adults that had their lives together, you know, careers, money, a house or whatever. And then all these crazy like 19 to 23 year olds that had no money, (laughs) that didn't know about school. Maybe they're having one class at IUPUI (laughs) and, you know, couch surfed because they didn't really want to live at home anymore. And so there was a lot of struggle with that because it was a lot of really young kids that 
that's a hard age to go. Our son is there now. It's yeah. you don't you don't you're finding a spouse, you're finding a career. You're do I live at home until I can afford to live on my own or do I just make the dive and then struggle? You know, so it's a really hard age to minister to. They know everything too. So oh, sure. Yeah. And um so over the years, you know, we kind of all of a sudden we like think, well, gosh, we don't have any of these band kids anymore. But we're, then we look around and think, band kid, band kid, band kid. But they're just married to each other. They have careers. Now they have two, three <laughs> kids, you know. So we've had some of those people stick around and new people come and you know, new people go. But I feel like, you know, if this is our church, if we're building it, we might as well just hang it up and walk away. Yeah. But it's God's church, and we need to let God build the body, you know. And so we'll minister to who comes along and try to get out of your own head where it's your fault if someone leaves, yeah. you know. Because, well, maybe you said something that offended them. It's still their choice to leave instead of resolving it and coming to the person who said it to you and say, that hurt my feelings. Can we talk about this? Or, you know, I don't agree with you on that. Can we talk about that? And then agree to disagree and respect each other's differing opinions. So a lot of people, like, you know. And then I, I also want to say, like, people that have left, whatever the reason, you know, do we want to say, like, you didn't hear from God? Because that's kind of a, a double-edged sword. If we tell them, you're wrong, you didn't hear from God, you shouldn't be leaving, or we say, you know, are, are we telling them that you're not mature enough to hear from God? And if so, shame on us yeah. for raising somebody that's not mature enough to hear from God. Or do we just let them? We trust that they do indeed hear from God, and God is saying, "Go." Mm. It's strong. It's a double-edged sword. It's a little you convicting. know, it is a little convicting, right? Yeah. Like, okay, maybe I need to do better. Maybe I need to like up my game on. You know, breaking down what the word says about stick-to-itiveness or something. I yeah. don't know. Mm. So, anyway, things things I've thought about over the years with people coming and people going. So, I knew this was going to be good. Um, we don't always get to hear from you, so I, well, I think this know, is going to be really good for, for the a, family. I'm a uh, behind-the-scenes kind of girl, <laughs> yeah. com- well, comfortably. So, we love you. We appreciate you leading in your own style and your own personality. That that's awesome. I appreciate um, that. It's a good example for the rest of us. I think. Um, heck, this might be three episodes, but uh, it's going to be good. <laughs> Who uh, knew? Right? <laughs> You're going to get more than thirty words from me. Right? I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Uh, no. Thank you so much. My pleasure. listening to Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church. For more information, visit currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Current Church is located in Franklin, Indiana and meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear. Theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.